Greetings and welcome to the next episode of A Stone in Zion, a podcast of Zion Lutheran Church in Reedfield, Wisconsin, a weekly sermon update. Uh, today we're continuing to look at the Christmas season. Here we're looking at Zechariah's song as um, he sang it three months before Jesus was born, um, talking about Jesus. And, you know, it's a as we celebrate, continue to celebrate Christmas in the church here, much of the world has moved on from Christmas and is thinking about other things. We're still thinking about the significance of that Christ child as he was born. Uh, and next week we'll be going into Epiphany. But uh, I'll leave you to it as we look at this week's sermon. And it comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 75. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated as we sing Hymn 34, Now Sing We Now Rejoice.
Our sermon text for our message here today is from our gospel lesson, which is a portion of the Song of Zechariah from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 75. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this world at times can be a scary place. Perhaps we look at the news and we see people who are living in fear. Fear of, of uh, terrorist attacks. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes? Can you imagine what it would be like to be a child in a school where there's violence? It would be a scary thing, wouldn't it? And we look at natural disasters, sicknesses. It, it seems to be a constant stream of scary news that's coming at us at all times. See, God doesn't want us to necessarily live in fear at all times. Those things do happen in this world. God knows that, and, and we know that as well. But as Christians, we have a foundation that helps us answer some of these difficult questions. Like, what do you do about all the scary things in this world? Our, our faith doesn't maybe answer every question that we have, but that's what I like about Christianity and our faith so much, that it gives us a foundation to answer some of these questions questions in life. And our faith can be so practical for our day-to-day -day lives as we try to make it in this world, as we're bombarded by scary things. Our faith gives us a foundation in how we can respond to these things. Because the greatest thing that these things can bring upon us, which would be death, Jesus has taken care of that problem. And we see that message here as it comes to us from Zechariah. A message that tells us to not be afraid. For our Lord is with us. And we can serve him now, fear and righteousness. Zechariah was a man who was a, a priest. And maybe you're familiar with the story from Luke chapter 1. But uh, his wife, Elizabeth, and him were the parents of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was related to Mary. Zechariah, though, was visited by an angel when he was in the temple doing his work. When he was in the, the Holy of Holies, this very special place. He saw a vision. An angel spoke to him and said that his wife, who had been barren, would give birth to a child. He didn't believe it. And because of that unbelief, his mouth was closed. He was silenced for a long time. For nine months, as his wife became pregnant and as she... Uh, help, carried that child, he could not speak. And then after John was born and given his name, 
His voice was returned. Now, imagine what it would be like to be Zechariah. You had nine months to think about what was all going on. Nine months to think about this, this miraculous birth, to think about the Savior who has come, to think about your mistake in doubting God. What does he say after nine months of silence? Well, he bursts out in, in a poem or a song, really. And that's what I read to you earlier from Luke chapter 1. And you would think perhaps he would talk a lot about his son, John, who was born in his old age. But instead, he talks about the Savior to come. He says here, he, God, has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. What is a, a horn of salvation? It's an unusual phrase, right? Well, you have to put your minds in the mindsets of the, the Hebrew people. For an animal, the symbol of that animal's strength was its horns. And, you know, we can kind of see that too, right? You know, you think of a bull. What are you watching out for? What are you most afraid of when you're dealing with a bull? It's the horns, right? The horns. And you think about deer, too. You know, I've been in many of your homes. I didn't see too many tails mounted there on the wall. It's, it's the antlers, right? It's a symbol of that animal's strength and power. So when God says here that, that the Lord is going to give you a horn of salvation... He's saying your salvation is powerful and mighty. And that's exactly what we need. And what a contrast that is with what would happen. See, three months later, after uh, Zechariah said these words, Jesus would be born. And there, wrapped in, in rags, lying in a trough for animals, would be the horn of God's salvation, the power and the might of God. And that's the miracle of Christmas, isn't it? That God wraps his mighty power in something so weak and frail. But I think it's to emphasize his power. Because you think we are up against some terrible enemies. And it says here in our text... He's going to do this to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and from those who hate us. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Who is this referring to? Is he Zechariah talking about the enemies that they faced at that time, which would have probably been like the Romans or, uh, you know, Herod? I think he's talking about bigger enemies than that. God's power, his salvation is, is mighty because he is up against terrible enemies. You know, think about the story of David and Goliath. What makes that story so amazing? If, if Samuel had told the story of David and Goliath and said, well, there was this guy named David and he killed this guy named Goliath and then moved on with the story, I mean, I don't know if it would have gotten much attention, right? But what makes that story so amazing is, is that Goliath was a giant. A man eight feet tall. Huge warrior who had killed hundreds before. 
And he went up against this boy, David, who wasn't big enough to fit into his, his big brother's armor. And so you see how amazing that victory was. It emphasizes God's miracle and his power. And that's really what we see with the birth of Jesus. That's might and power there, wrapped in that rags, placed in a manger. Because he has to fight against huge enemies. We're thinking, now, what are the enemies that he's talking about here? Not the Romans, not Herod. Sin. Perhaps we don't think of sin as being that enemy because I think by nature the devil wants us to play it down. Right? The devil wants us to think, oh, that's no big deal. Everybody does it. You look at the world. Everyone else is doing this. In fact, I'm doing way less than what other people are doing. But of course, the truth is that anytime we go against God's will, it's a sin. And that sin would separate us from God eternally. We need to realize how gigantic these foes are. They are the Goliath in our lives. They would consume us. And we look at this world and there is so much sin. There's so much hatred. There's so much selfishness. And these are things that we live among and these are things that, that we absorb don't we? Whether we like to admit it or not. How easy it is to pick up on the, the hatred of this world instead of trying to understand those who are different than us then so much easier just to condemn them, right? Those who have different views of, than us, different ideas, ideas. So easy to just give them a label and dismiss them. God wants us to show love and compassion for one another. And how easy it is for us to, to be selfish. I mean, that's how this world is kind of geared. you got to look out for yourself. Look out for number one. But of course, in Scripture, we see encouragement there to support others, to build others up and to put others before ourselves. These are some of the Goliaths, the giants that we are facing. And on our own, we wouldn't be able to do it. David didn't do it on his own. The point of that whole story was that God did it. And I think we need to realize the point of, of Christmas is that this was God working and doing amazing things. This was the horn of God's salvation. His might and his power was wrapped there in that seemingly powerless thing. We behold this in our hearts. We cherish this message of Christmas to know that our enemies have been defeated by Christ because he would live that perfect life that we have not. He would die in our place as our Savior so that we could have that victory and that salvation so that we could now live without fear of death itself. See, that's our greatest enemy. And, you know, people like to talk about how they're, you know, not afraid of dying. But I think that if you're not a Christian, death has to have fear. 
If you don't know what's going to happen and you have no clue, death has to loom heavy over you. But see, as Christians, we have a great comfort in knowing that, that death is not something that separates us from, from God or from life eternally. In fact, it's just a gateway. And I think that's how God removes that fear from us. So now we can serve him with freedom. It says here in our text that he rescued us from the hand of our enemies and has now enabled us to serve him without fear. You know, why does God free us? Why do we have freedom? Are we free now to indulge our, our sinful nature? Are we free now to just do whatever we want? You, you think about it. Sometimes people look at our, our freedoms in our country that way too. Well, we have the freedom to speak, so I'm going to say hurtful, hateful things, and I'm going to uh, be uncivil and, and just destroy other people. Well, just because you have the freedom to do so doesn't mean we should do it, right? And why has God set us free? I mean, has he set us free to serve our own sinful natures? Well, it says here, we have been now enabled to serve him without fear. God has taken away that, that fear of death, that fear of eternal punishment, and he's now enabled us to serve him. Now, we might think, well, how is serving freedom? Now, you might think it's kind of the opposite, right? But the Bible tells us that to serve him in freedom without fear is a great blessing from God. Because it's something that we can want to do as Christians. Because God has now freed us. We don't live for ourselves, but we live for him. And what a wonderful blessing that we see here in this text, that we can serve him now in holiness and in righteousness, as Zechariah says here in his song. How do you serve in holiness and righteousness? I mean, do you consider yourself to be holy and righteous? Well, I think we all know our own sins more than anyone else, right? So we don't need to be told that we're sinners. I think if we're, we look at ourselves and we're honest, we'll realize that we're not holy or righteous on our own. Jesus has made us to be that way. By his perfection, by his, his death on the cross, he has made us to be holy and righteous in his place. And what a blessing that we see here in our text as we know that God has made us to be that way. Christ has purified our actions. See, otherwise, sin would taint everything that we would do. But now we are, have been set free to serve the Lord in righteousness and holiness. We can do so without fear. I think our faith gives us a wonderful advantage as Christians to know that we have truly nothing to fear that this world can throw against us. But that doesn't mean that, that uh, we are free to be selfish. We have been set free from fear to serve. 
to live our lives as Christians and as citizens here on this earth. You know, you, you think about it, it's kind of like multitasking. Are you, are you good at multitasking? You know, sometimes I can do it, sometimes not so well. But that's really what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? You know, I think about if you're if you're a captain of a submarine, it's your job to make sure that that submarine is going and it's not hitting the bottom of the ocean, it's not hitting rocks, it's it's going and and not crashing into anything. But if there's a big breach in your hull and the water is coming in, well, that's that's part of your job to know about that too, right? That should be your concern as well. You can't just say, well, I'm focusing on driving right now. I'm not going to worry about that. And I think that's kind of how it is living our lives here as Christians. We are living here as citizens in this country and as, as people interacting with one another. So we're concerned about that, but we also need to know about that deeper thing that's going on in our lives, that, that message of Christ and our salvation. We need to be aware that, that this life for all of us will end. And that heaven is our home. We live our lives here serving the Lord. We can do so now without fear. You know, Zechariah, as I said, he spoke these words three months before the first Christmas. And now we can look back at Christmas and we can see how all of this was possible through our Savior. Without that birth, we would still be living in fear. We would have no hope. We would have no peace. But now through the birth of Christ, and because of his salvation, because of what he has done, we now do have hope and peace. May all praise and glory be given to him now and forever. Amen.